Hello and welcome to Mining Stock Daily with me, Paul Harris. Today we're talking about gold exploration in the United States and I'm joined by Cal Everett, President and CEO of Liberty Gold. Good morning, Cal. How are you today? Not too bad, Paul. How are you? Very well, thank you. Liberty Gold seems to have had a, a very good start to the year. You've put out some very good uh, drill results recently. Uh, you've raised a, a, a big amount of money. Uh, you must be very pleased with how things are going. Um, just this week, you've uh, announced that you're extending the high-grade oxide at uh, the range front zone of the Black Pine project in uh, in Idaho. Uh, it now has a footprint of about 500 meters by one kilometers. Uh, you must be very pleased with that. W- what does that mean for the project? Well, it means, uh, well, so first of all, let's all speak financially. Uh, the company's got around 40 million US in treasury. And we have four drills operating, two at the Black Pine project and two at Gold Strike. We also have approximately four and a half million US of marketable securities in our treasury as well. And if I wanted to liquidate those securities, I could do that. We also have a portfolio of five uh, royalties in the Great Basin. If I wanted to monetize those, I can do that. Um, and we own 65% of the TV Tower project in Turkey, and we're hiring a banking group to, uh, to, to put those assets up so we can monetize them. And, um, and there's six deposits in Turkey, but Turkey's a tough place to work. So when we did the financing for $30 million uh, recently, it was done at a, I think it was a 7% discount to market and um, at $1.10 with no warrant. And that was the first financing Liberty Gold has had to do for two and a half years. And the reasons we did it was number one, you, eventually you, you're gonna need money in this business because it's a business of spending. Right until you're actually producing and getting cash flow, then you're then you're taking before you spend some of that again, and hopefully give a pile of that money back to your shareholders. So we're we're fully flush with cash. So we have four drills operating, and in the Great Basin now it's so starved for drill for drills. If I gave up at one drill for two months, I probably will never get that drill back this year. So in other words, you have to keep them going, and that requires more capital spending. So we're going to drill 84,000 meters at, um, at Black Pine this year, and we'll drill 25,000 meters at Gold Strike. So it's a really big program. And there's two going on each project right now. When they were done drilling 25,000 meters at Gold Strike, those two drills will move right to Black Pine because you can see there's almost a four to one uh, ratio of meters to be drilled um, at, at, in Idaho versus that to be drilled in Utah. Okay, so um, with the expansion of, of Rangefront, now you're uh, preparing a resource update later this year and a preliminary economic assessment. What will that expansion at uh, Rangefront potentially mean for ha- the, you know, the, the Black Pine project and, and your vision for what the potential mining scenario there may be? Well, since the last resource, which was done a few years ago, it was 2.15 million ounces of, of gold, of which half of that was approximately one gram of high-grade oxide. And then there's an envelope of lower-grade material that would have to go to the heat bleach pads anyhow because of the gold price, because you're, you're going to generate dollars out of that. With the rangefront discovery, it looks like it's going to be the same scale as the discovery focus area, where we pretty much got that 2.15 million ounces. But if you lower your cutoff grade to 0.17, which is still high for an oxide deposit in the Great Basin, 
because generally they come in around 0.1 is the cutoff. That means you're, if you use that cutoff, your grade goes down, but your ounces go up, right? And you want in this business to have either have high grade, high margin rocks or low grade, high margin rocks, but you never want low margin, right? It's a defeatist uh, way of operating a, a development a gold company. And in the case of, of what we do in the Great Basin for oxide, they're low grade, but extremely high margin rocks at both deposits. So we don't know how big black pine is. We've permitted 10.8 square kilometers of the oxide system, which we're drilling right now. But the overall system, when the next permits go through and the next ones go through, will cover over 20 square kilometers. So it's a monstrous oxide gold system. So how do you do a PEA on a deposit you don't know how big it is yet? Okay, that's the quandary we're living with right now. Because we're blessed by having all this gold coming out of the, out of the drill bit, which is fine. But if you go out and do an economic study on the wrong deposit, you really screwed up, right? Because if you go find another million ounces or two million ounces, the PEA is worthless, okay? So I think we have to see where the drill bit takes us. And then my guess is we'll, uh, we, I'll just say we use the, though I won't use probably, I'll say may. We may get put into a position here of just forgetting about doing a PEA and going right to PFS. Okay. okay. And the PEA is going to cost you around a half million dollars to do. PFS is going to cost you more because you can only include in a PFS measured and indicated ounces, which means you have to drill off black pine or gold strike, either one on 50 meter centers. Okay. The metallurgy is the fourth or fourth phase of metallurgy is underway right now. And that metallurgy uh, is going to effectively be at, at full feasibility level. Okay, thank you. Now, you, you mentioned that the, the, the last resource was just over 2 million ounces. Yep. How, how do you expect the resource to grow? You know, what kind of figures are you looking at for the resource update later well, this I'll year? Give, I'll give you a, a, a leverage uh, number that we have published. If we lower the cutoff grade of black pine from 0.2 grams to 0.17, we pick up 18% more ounces or 350,000 ounces and black pine is two and a half million ounce deposit. You want to cut it to 0.15, you're picking up ounces. You want to cut it to 0.12, you're picking up ounces, but the overall grade is going to go lower of your deposit. But you have to you know, factor that into all the economics that you're dealing with. So we think that the range front deposit could double what we've already got. So if we use 0.17, ultimately we can see a window, however long it takes to get there to go through 4 million ounces, hopefully by the end of this year. You have to recognize that the resource we published at Black Pine is a couple of years old, but it does not include 70,000 meters of drilling from last year and it 84,000 meters of drilling that's coming from this year. So that's roughly a half a million feet of drilling that's not in that resource. And you can see as the holes come out, they're carrying gold, right? So how many ounces are there? I can't tell you at this point, but range front is far from drilled off and it's still open to the north and to the east. And then we've got a massive area down there of a few square kilometers. It hasn't seen a single hole that should be the same geology directly underneath it. The benefit to range front recently is if you look at the last news release, 
is the mineralization is coming closer to surface, which is what we're looking at. So when we model where we're going to put our drill holes, we're now drilling a material that's higher grade oxide that's closer to surface because it's extremely material in the first one, two, three years of the mine life. And if you get up to about 5 million ounces of gold at Black Pine, which is tier one status, how many more ounces do you need to drill? Because if you're looking at a 200,000 ounce annualized uh, uh, production model, and you presume say 70, 75% uh, recovery of your oxide gold, you're already looking at a 15 year mine life for every 4 million of at say 200,000 ounces a year for, for 4 million ounces. And it, you know, you never know how big it's going to get ultimately. Well, as you say, you're on the cusp of it becoming a sort of tier one, uh, tier yep. one deposit. I mean, that, that's Absolutely. obviously very encouraging. Now, when you put out the this maiden resource on Black Pine um, last year, um, it got a, a lukewarm reception from the market. Why do you think that was? What do you think the market didn't see in that um, initial resource? Well, the industry is a bit fickle. And um, a gentleman mentioned uh, about um, North American investors the other day, and I thought it was a good choice of words that the investors are grade snobs, which I thought was quite funny. But be, because of the fact that you're looking, if you had one ounce gold grades, but it was at a depth of say 1500 meters from surface over a couple meters, well, that's high, high, high value, but low margin rock because you got to get there. And they don't really understand the economics of how much money you can actually make. Right. If you go look at the Marigold deposit, which is a pretty good clone for Liberty Gold, and you pull up a 2018 43-101 uh, report from uh, SSR Mining on that deposit, it's a 0 0.3, 0.32 gram oxide gold deposit with a 3.4 to 1 strip ratio with a 10% NSR burden on it. And they're producing 225,000 ounces of gold a year on average at $1,100 a ton. It's earth moving. Bigger trucks, bigger shovels, bigger heap leach pads. There you go. And so when you go look at, at what we're doing at Black Pine as an example, and to a lesser degree gold strike, because it's, it's, it's only 1.2 million ounces of oxide at this point. Um, you're looking at a big earth moving operation is, and, and it's, a, it's a problem of education, I think. Maybe that's uh, Liberty Gold's fault for not trying to stress this point uh, a, a year or two ago. But these things are highly economic, they're faster to permit, and both of our projects are selected for location. They're not near streams, fish bearing streams, there's no timber values, there's lots of water for heap leach operations close by, there's uh, hydropower to the property boundaries. You know, it's got everything working for it. And both projects are fully reclaimed and we don't have to put a milling concept in on either deposit. Because the moment you mill, you put a mill, you've got a tailings dam. And the moment you have a tailings dam, you've got more uh, environmental issues uh, that you have to cover under the NEPA process, right? So when you don't have that, it's a benefit for these type of deposits. Okay. The, the 
as you mentioned, you recently closed a $30 million bought deal financing. So in some ways, it seems the market's caught up a little bit because, um, you know, raising $30 million in what is, you know, pretty difficult market for junior gold explorers and developers. I mean, that, that, that's quite a feat. So were you, were you surprised at the, the response you got there and that you, the fact you were able to raise so much money? No, I wasn't surprised at the, at, at the ability to raise the money. Um, uh, I'm going to say... 25% of that, maybe a bit more, came from our our three biggest shareholders, institutional shareholders, which are all U.S. Uh, gold funds. And um, it was um, it was a it wasn't priced to sell for those people who like to buy units and clip warrants. It had no warrant hooked to it at all, and it was done at a seven percent discount to market. And it went principally to big institutions. Okay. okay. What, what was the sort of message they gave you? Was it like, you know, Carl, you've got 2 million ounces. Here's the money. Go and drill, double that. Let's get it up towards that sort of tier one. You know, let's make it a, a much more substantial project. Yeah. They, they all, um, um, the guys who are, are the American funds tend to like American based assets. And things of this, of this scale don't happen, don't, aren't found often. And most of the oxide gold uh, systems have been mined out. There's lots of one of the oxide gold deposits down there that might be 200, 300, 400,000 ounces, but that's not something that we're interested in. It's too small. You have to have a, at least a 2 million ounce resource. And then you make a, you know, a notebook presumption that you're going to process, um, you're going to get 70, 75% recovery, which is standard for an oxide heat leach deposit, right? So all except for one of those funds has been to site. And I'm going to go to site with uh, three or four of our big shareholders in June and walk them through both deposits and do a tour of the Great Basin with them. So they can all get their hands on the rocks and see how big they are. Okay. Thank you, Cal. Now, um, as, as I mentioned a, a moment ago, that, uh, you know, at the start of the year, the plan was to do a resource update in a PEA. But uh, what was the timing on that now? Are you still planning on the resource update? And then the decision on PEA or PFS will come sort of later in the year, be sort of perhaps pushed back a bit? Well, internally, we model every drill hole that goes in. So we have a fairly good understanding of where we're sitting ounce wise, but it's not 43101 compliant. It's just internally modeled. And um, when you've got really smart geologists modeling on leapfrog or whatever they're working on, um, they tend to be a little bit more optimistic than, um, than an independent one person, right? So you can say, okay, they think this, that this is here. Well, is it there or isn't it there? Is it plus or minus? Like, it, why would you go out and do a resource estimate on something if you don't know how big it is? Right. So we'll get a fair understanding, I would think, in four or five months, how big we think the system's getting. But if we walk into another range front and uh, and you think you could model another million and a half ounces in the new discovery, well, should you drill it off or shouldn't you? That's the dilemma we're faced with. Right. That's you a good dilemma shut. to have. Yeah. Well, it's not a bad dilemma to have, but, you know, it's a timing of something. And and. Um, I've been studying the market for over 30 years, and I've noted this year that on the development side of the business, if you put out a PEA, the market has a tendency just to dismiss it. And if you put out a pre-fees, they pay attention to it. They've put out a full fees, they pay attention. The cost difference between a full fees and a pre-fees is not that much. Okay, it's not. 
And you can finish a full fees, uh, a pre-fees, sorry, and then immediately go to full fees and the full fees is done four or five months later, right? Because there's just extra line items you have to do. And, and in the Great Basin, you don't need a full fees to apply for mine permit. You only need pre-fees, okay? Because these things are kind of simple. So yeah, it, 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 it's not a bad problem finding more and more gold. And then all of a sudden we get another permit and another four square kilometers to drill and we pop a drill in it and we walk into another one, right? Yeah. So it, it's, uh, there's a lot of bounty on that mountain that, uh, that we deal with. And uh, yeah, so let's just put it this way. To answer your question, we're sitting back as a collective team and thinking about what our next steps are because every time we get numbers back, it gets better. Okay, right? and, and there's I, I think there's a half a dozen geologists working on that project, so we're okay. we're really staffed up technically. I mean that is, this kind of leads me into to my next question, Cal. Um, we've seen a couple of M and A transactions and a couple of M and A deals recently in the gold space, including in this sort of Great Basin. At what point do you think Liberty Gold becomes a sort of a much more coveted target for M and A activity? Hmm. I would say that you have to secure a few things and let the people who look at you play with the numbers. You need to secure your water rights, okay? And we've got most of the water we need for Black Pine already secured. That has been announced. And we're still um, in the process of getting um, additional water there for surplus reasons because you don't know if it suddenly becomes a much bigger deposit, you better have that water retained. And um, we've got a mechanism now for, from three different areas to secure water at Gold Strike at the same time. That's key, okay? Because if you're a large mining company and you went after water rights, the people who you would lease or purchase that water off are gonna hold you for ransom, right? So you, you really have to be very coy with how, how you, um, how you arrange for these things to get done and then advance it to de-risk it, do all your archeological work, all your First Nations work, if you have any First Nations group near you and we don't have any at Black Pine and we have a, a good uh, relationship with a group far about 15 kilometers to the south of, of uh, Gold Strike in Utah and um, get your MET done, tick that box and then anybody who's looking at the data can run their own numbers. Right, and when you're dealing with a market cap of three hundred and some million dollars and a full and a full cash treasury, people pay attention now. Okay, thank you, Cal. Now, um, one, one sort of final question: You mentioned a gold strike in Utah. You're drilling twenty-five thousand meters this year. Um, where do you want to get gold strike to this year? Where, where do you want to advance that to? Well, the resource of one point two million ounces was done at thirteen hundred dollar gold in two thousand and eighteen. So that's a vintage. Um, uh, resource at this point and economic study as PEA at $1,700 gold. It had an after-tax IRR of 52%, 1.2 to one strip ratio. And it was 113.2 or 0.4, I forget the final, de the decimal point number of CapEx to build it. Then you've got CapEx and OpEx creep due to inflation and the lack of people for these. So you got to presume um, that the capital costs are going to go higher. Okay. So just, I'm just, I'm, I don't know what the number is, but I'm just saying, let's say it went up to 140 million instead of 113 million. 
on average, we see in our modeling, um, the CapEx going up on average in this current environment by 5% a year. Okay, that's what we're seeing in our modeling. So you wanna hope that gold strikes, uh, the appreciation of gold price is gonna make up the CapEx creep plus plus. So that's where we're looking at it at this point. And the objective is because gold strike, in fact, is more advanced than black pine. Black pine is just a monster in terms of size and takes more time and, and money to define what it actually is going to end up being. Gold strike theoretically could be in production a couple of years in advance of black pine. And that is being modeled now looking for a minimum 10 year mine life and a, and a 100,000 ounce gold producer and a low capex to build. And if you're going to go build that, you don't need all that much. Um, you're going to need probably 30% um, equity and 70% debt. And if it's $150 million uh, to, or 140 or whatever to build it, that's affordable. But we don't know what black pine is going to be because you don't know how big the trucks are. You don't know how big the shovels are. And we're, we're talking moving, I think around 20,000 tons a day or 25,000 tons a day of rock at Gold Strike. We're talking, we're thinking in the 70,000 ton per day operation at black pine at this point. So you're obviously your, your CapEx is going to go higher, but look at the mine life and look at the ounces and cash flow that comes out of it, right? The longer the mine life, the more gold cycles you will go through and bear and benefit from rapidly increasing gold prices. Like this year looks like a hot year for gold with the inflation, uh, interest rate movement, and, um, and political problems at different occasions in the world. So the gold price currently looks strong. And um, I was talking to a generalist fund out of Toronto the other day, and we were, they wanted me to review the production side of the industry with them and, and the development side. And they've, that's the first time I've seen it. And this wasn't a very big fund. It was only half a billion dollars. And they are, they're taking 10% of the fund and going as a generalist into gold now. So that's a change that I haven't seen. Like we only saw one in the financing we just completed. We only had one generalist go in on that. Everything else was a pure resource fund. So now we're seeing the generalists wake up to the gold price. Okay, looks like it's gonna be a pretty exciting year for Liberty yeah. Gold. A uh, lot of things, a lot of uh, catalysts on the horizon. Fortunately, that's all we have time for today, Cal. Um, Liberty Gold trades on the TSX under LGD and on the OTCQX under LGDTF. Cal Everett, President and CEO, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And that's all from me, Paul Harris. Join us for more CEO interviews on Mining Stock Daily. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.